2: June
1: 12, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Yes, guest tonight stars in the new movie Men in Black International. Tessa Thompson is here, everybody! So excited for that. Also on tonight's show, Biden and Trump go head to head. You can now Uber in the sky, and the U.S. women's soccer team is under fire for being too good. So, let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with some international news. You may remember last year, French President Emmanuel Macron and President Trump were besties. They attended events together, they shared secret handshakes, and Macron even gave Trump a friendship tree, right, as a symbol of how their friendship would grow and prosper for many years to come. Well, a year later, the relationship has soured, and get this, the tree died. (laughs) But Macron, being French, refuses to give up on love.
2: President Trump is set to receive a new friendship tree from French President Emmanuel Macron. Macron promised to send the new oak tree after the tree he gave him during last year's state visit died. He says the death of the tree does not symbolize the topsy-turvy relationship between the two countries.
1: Uh Uh-uh, Macron, you said that tree was a metaphor, so then it's a metaphor. Yeah, you can't now say the tree was just a tree. That's not how symbols work, okay? It's like in grade school, when you and your best friend get friendship bracelets, yeah? And then 10 years later, he's not wearing it because he got married and his wife thinks it's weird. Yeah, you know what's weird, Kevin? You deserting your best friend. (laughs) And yeah, it is a little sad that the friendship tree died, but at the same time, it did last longer than most people do in Trump's White House, so that's impressive. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, give it up for that tree. I bet, I bet this time, Macron's gonna give Trump better ed- instructions on how to keep the tree alive. He's gonna be like, okay, this time, Donald, you must use water, not Diet Coke, okay? <laughs> and the real sunlight, the tanning bed is not enough, all right? And Trump's like, I was so good to that tree. It ate exactly what I eat, three cheeseburgers a day. Please, Donald, if you don't look after the tree and care for it, it will die. He's like, that's what they said about Eric, but it didn't work, he's still here. Also, why is Macron giving Trump another tree? You know it's just gonna die again. He should give Trump something simple, something easy to take care of, like a friendship rock. (laughs) Although knowing Trump, I wouldn't be shocked if he found a way to kill that too. Yeah, just come out like, I don't know what happened. I came outside and it was just dust, it was dust. (laughs) In other news, as the debate over abortion rights rages on in America, things have gotten a little testy on Capitol Hill.
2: It is tiring to hear from so many sex-starved males on this floor talk about a woman's right to choose.
1: Mr. Speaker, I would just like to ask my friend if she'd like to to change her last last statement.
2: If it pleases my colleague on the other side, I will withdraw my statement about sex-starved males on the floor.
1: God damn. All right, that was gangster. That was really gangster. Because those guys are so mad, but they don't know what to do. Mr. Speaker, let the record show that I smash. I smash! (laughs) I actually feel bad for those guys because it's a trap, right? You don't know what to do. If you don't get mad, it looks like she's telling the truth about your sex life. But if you get mad, it looks like she hit a sore spot. Like, what do you do? (laughs) Although it would be funny if this whole thing ended up with Republican congressmen testifying about how much sex they have. I'm just waiting for Mitch McConnell to come out on C-SPAN like, oh no, real talk, pimps. Uh, uh, I bust a nut in the morning. And, uh, and, uh, and for good measure, I bust a nut out at night too. <laughs> and finally, in tech news, the future of ride-sharing has arrived.
2: Uber is taking its ride-sharing service to new heights with Uber Air. On Tuesday, the company unveiled its first electric passenger aircraft prototype, a helicopter-plane hybrid that can take off and land from a pad and fly 150 miles per hour. Wow.
1: Uber is taking it to the next level. And you know what? This makes sense. Because whenever I'm in an Uber, the driver's swerving around through traffic, yelling at other cars while he's talking on his phone, I'm always thinking to myself, man, I wish we could do this 10,000 feet in the sky. (laughs) I also don't see how flying cars will work with Uber Pool. Are the drivers just gonna be like, this is your stop. Ah!" (laughs) I guess on the bright side, Uber Air will have a much simpler rating system, right? It's either five stars or you're dead, that's it. (laughs) But you know what, but you know what? I shouldn't hate on them because um, it's actually already been really successful. In fact, here's a video of Uber picking up their very first Air customer. All right, that's it for the headlines. (laughs) Let's move on to our top story. (laughs) Donald Trump. This has been a wild week for the Trump presidency, making it the 124th wild presidency week in a row. (laughs) It started a few days ago when Trump averted a crisis of his own making by deciding not to impose tariffs on Mexico because he said he made a deal. However, critics pointed out many of the things that Mexico promised to do to stop illegal immigration were the same promises that they had made months before. But then Trump came back saying that he had a secret deal with Mexico, which no one believed. So yesterday, he did this.
0: Do you have an agreement with Mexico to become a safe third country for asylum seekers? That's the agreement that everybody says they don't have. So, no, because I'm gonna let Mexico do the announcement at the right time from Mexico, oh they want to go through it, but here's the agreement, oh it's God. a very simple agreement.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. There are two possibilities here. <laughs> and neither of them are good. Either the president just whipped out a takeout menu and claimed it's a secret agreement with Mexico, <laughs> which it could be, or it's a real agreement and the president is just walking around <laughs> with secret documents in his pocket. Like, the same guy who was worried about Hillary's server getting hacked by Russians, meanwhile, he could get hacked by a gust of wind. (laughs) Or even worse, a pigeon. Could just be like, and here it is, the secret document that, ah, stop that pigeon! Stop that pigeon! It's headed to the Kremlin! (laughs) Like, keeping important documents in your jacket pocket is so risky because everyone forgets things in that pocket. We've all done it. Like, one day, Trump's dry cleaner is gonna phone the White House like, hey, Mr. Trump, you left the nuclear codes in your jacket again. And there's a lollipop in there, too. He's like, oh, thank God, my lollipop. (laughs) So that was President Trump showing off his secret agreement letter that he got from Mexico. Uh, And I guess yesterday was mail day because a few minutes later in the press conference, he was telling us about another letter he was even more proud of.
3: For the first time since the failed Hanoi summit, Kim Jong-un sent the president a letter yesterday, Mr. Trump downplaying concerns about Kim's recent missile tests.
0: He's kept his word. There's no nuclear testing. There's no large, you know, long-range missiles going up. So uh, I see that, and I just received a beautiful letter from Kim Jong-un, and I think the relationship is very well, but I appreciated the letter. Someday you'll see what was in that letter. Someday you'll be reading about it, maybe in a hundred years from now, maybe in two weeks, who knows. But it was a very nice letter. It was a very warm, very nice letter. I appreciated it. What?
1: Maybe a hundred years from now, maybe two weeks? The only other time you hear a time range that big is when you order a couch online. It's like, yeah, I guess I'll be arriving now or never. But that's pretty incredible, right? Trump is willing to support Kim Jong-un because the North Korean dictator sends him sweet notes You know, if Kim Jong-un is smart, he would launch a missile at the United States and then just send Trump a letter at the exact same time to keep him distracted. Yeah, an aide would run into the office like, Mr. Trump, Kim Jong-un has just fired, fired off a beautiful letter to me, I know. It's gorgeous. No, sir, this could devastate, devastate Melania. We won't tell her, don't worry. No, sir, people are dying, dying to know what's in it. But I can't tell them it's a secret. It's between me and goddamn you, pigeon! Goddamn, how did it get back from the Kremlin so fast? (laughs) So Donald Trump has become uh, good friends with Mexico and uh, he's BFF with little Kim. But there's one feud the president is not willing to end and it's with America's greatest enemy, Sleepy Joe.
0: Well, I heard Biden, uh, who's a loser. I mean, look, Joe never got more than 1% except Obama took him off the trash heap and now it looks like he's failing. He looks different than he used to. He acts different than he used to. He's even slower than he used to be. I'd rather run against, I think, Biden than anybody. Uh, I think he's the weakest mentally. And I like running against people that are weak mentally. I think Joe is the weakest up here.
1: Really, Donald? (laughs) You want to compete with a mentally weak loser? Well, then maybe you should hold a debate with a mirror. Now, it's no coincidence that uh, Trump is going after the former VP, right? Ever since the polls came out showing Biden beating Trump all over the country, Trump has aimed all of his attacks directly at his number one threat. And Joe Biden is loving it because it's setting him up as the presumptive nominee, which is why yesterday in Iowa, he delivered a 40-minute speech that was all about Trump. I don't think the president really gets the, uh, gets the basics. Uh, he thinks these
0: tariffs are being paid by China just like he thinks Mexico's building a wall. Um, he thinks windmills cause cancer. Now look, you think I'm making this
4: up, I know. Quote, I have complete power. No, you don't, Donald Trump.
0: Or only I can fix it. Fix yourself first, Donald Trump.
1: Oh, okay, that was, that was weird. I feel like Joe Biden turned black by the end of that speech. <laughs> Only I can fix it. No, fix yourself, Donald Trump. Mike Pence, you better come get your man. We'll be right back.
2: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
1: In the past few years, there's been a lot of talk about America losing its standing in the world economically, diplomatically, grammatically. (laughs) But yesterday, the U.S. showed there's at least one place they can still kick ass. It was a day of record setting domination on the world stage for the U.S. women. As the Women's World Cup kicks off in France, the U.S. women's soccer team is showing no mercy and making history 2 nothing us it's three nothing 4 nothing six nothing go nine nothing quick shot 10 nothing us there's the 11 shot go the defending champions posting the tournament's largest margin of victory ever shutting out thailand 13 to nothing wow 13 to nothing That's not a soccer score. America basically won by a touchdown, a field goal, and a three-pointer combined. Like, they were dominating so hard, this was their goalie during the game. And it's crazy, because if you watch soccer in the world, you're like, this is madness. Americans were like, this is how soccer should be! I do feel a little bad, though. right, because this is the worst thing to ever happen to a Thai soccer team. And yes, I'm including the one that got stuck in the cave. (laughs) Yeah, because at least the cave wasn't celebrating in front of them. You guys are stuck in me! (laughs) So this was a historic win for the US women's soccer team. But some people say it might have been a little too much winning
5: a lot of controversy over how the women of Team USA celebrated over that record-breaking win over Thailand. Critics say the team showed poor sportsmanship by continuing to score, then celebrate. Some calling Team USA's behavior embarrassing, overboard, and disrespectful.
1: That target that they already had on their back as defending champions, that just got a whole lot bigger. They have now painted themselves as villains and as bullies. Okay. I get what people are saying, right? They're saying that the U.S. beat this team so hard they should have been more sensitive, not celebrating every single goal. But I mean, at the same time, sometimes taking pity can be worse than celebrating. You know, it's patronizing. Like, imagine you're in a rap battle and you're losing, and then the other MC's like, and another thing! Wait, wait, are you okay? Oh, I totally crushed you with that line about your mama. Hey, I, c- I can talk if you need. Do you want a hug? Do you want a hug? So the big question is, has this tarnished the reputation of U.S. women's soccer? Well, for more on this, we're joined by someone who's embarrassed America many times while overseas, Desi Lydic, everybody. <laughs> Desi. People are saying the U.S. women's soccer team was unsportsmanlike. Do you yeah. agree?
5: No, no, they were not being unsportsmanlike, Trevor. They were being American. Our slogan is America, fuck yeah! Not- <laughs> America, oh, sorry we won. We're the country that won a war 200 years ago, and we're still shooting off fireworks to rub it in Britain's face.
1: So, so you're saying it's not arrogance. That's just how America rolls.
5: Exactly. It's how we roll on the battlefield. It's how we roll on the soccer field. It's how we roll at our daughter's piano recital, which she totally f-ing won, by the way.
1: Desi, I don't think you can win a piano recital.
5: No, you do if all the other parents' cars get their tires slashed. And suddenly orchestra night becomes Tiffany night. I love you, sweetie. You made Beethoven your bitch.
1: Okay, you're a good mom, I guess, Desi. Uh, but, but don't you feel even a little bad for Thailand's team?
5: What? No, this has nothing to do with them Our women weren't playing against Thailand They were playing against the patriarchy That's what this game was really about
1: Well, last time I checked The patriarchy wasn't made up of 13 Thai women
5: No, 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 no No, I'm talking about this 28 players are suing their employer,
4: the US Soccer Federation, alleging institutionalized gender discrimination. According to their lawsuit, the women's team earns just 38% of a male player for the same kind of work.
1: The women scored more goals in one match than the men's team has scored in every World Cup appearance since 2006 combined.
5: The women's soccer team is doing so much more and getting paid so much less than the men's team. It's like finding out that Tony Stark got paid less than Hawkeye. One's a superhero, the other's a dad who's into archery. (laughs) Yesterday was about the women's team trying to prove their worth. They weren't just playing to win a game, they were playing to win a lawsuit. And yeah, you know what? It sucks that Thailand had to get caught in the crossfire, but it's like I said to the parents at my kids' music school. It's not personal, and I'll pay for your tires.
1: So, So you're saying the women's team was just sending a message to U.S. soccer?
5: Yes, and clearly that message was that they need to be paid more. Oh, and uh, I don't know, maybe U.S. soccer should pay the men less. Maybe they'd then be motivated to actually qualify for their World Cup. Goal! Goal!
0: Goal! Yes!
1: I'm supposed to to be like, Desi Ladek, everyone, we'll be right back. The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an actor who stars in the new movie Men in Black International. Please welcome Tessa Thompson. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again. And congratulations on yet another blockbuster franchise, Men in Black International. This, like, you are in every big movie right now. You're in Avengers, uh, you're in Thor, uh, you're in Men in Black. You're, at, at some point, you just, like, go to a cinema and just be like, all the posters, that's me?
4: <laughs> no, never. Never? No. But I, uh, on my flight here, there were three of my films, and that, that that was like a moment for me. I was like, what is life? This on is on the crazy. plane at
1: the same time. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I would be going to every row in the plane and I just <laughs> to be like, "Just see who's
4: watching it." My yeah, most favorite I'll fa- make them watch it. No, my most favorite. <laughs> <laughs> my most favorite thing is watching. Okay, this is what I love to do is watching someone decide what movie to watch and not decide to watch yours, or like put it on and then turn it off after 10 minutes. Oh, I would come back. But the, gri- the guy across from me, he made it through Creed II, which is nice. Right. But he did, he was like, he was like on his phone and he was picking his nails at one point. He was, <laughs> he was definitely bored, and it was during some of my scenes. I felt some kind of way about it, but it was you, okay.
1: I feel like you should, you should surprise people like in the, when, when that's happening, just pop and be like, hey, look at me. <laughs> Because that would like blow their minds. They would just be like, they think it's a, they think it's a thing. You'd never forget Tessa Thompson if that happened to you on a plane. I
4: probably should. My friend recently was in Washington Square Park, and a guy walked past him in a Sorry to Bother You T-shirt, which is a film that I made. And he was like, Hey, I like your T-shirt, and we happened to be Facetiming, so I was like, Let me see the guy, and we I Facetimed with him.
1: And that changed his life forever. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you become an eternal fan. You can't. His you... name
4: is Michael. He goes to NYU.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Look, Michael NYU. Now he's famous as well.
4: Hi, Michael. Look at that.
1: <laughs> um, let's talk about the new movie. I mean, Men in Black is a franchise that people know and love, and now Men in Black is international, even though they were intergalactic yeah. before. But the story has changed now. It's, it's, it's about aliens all over, because before it was just like, this is what's happening in New York. Now it's like, no, the aliens are everywhere.
4: Yeah, it has a global scope. You've only ever seen the New York part of Men in Black, and now you get to see Men in Black in London, and then we, we travel the world, basically.
1: And you get to act across from Chris Hemsworth again. Mm-hmm. You guys make a formidable duo on screen. Oh, like, thanks. Yeah, no, we've seen you in The Avengers. Like, there's comedy moments. There's, there's there's moments where it's like, oh, these two are kicking ass together, and now you're <laughs> back together. Do you two just, like, know each other back to front now?
4: Yeah, now we do, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. It's yeah, that thing. was a weird way to say it. <laughs> Just because, you know, like, you spend a lot of time with someone. You see them first thing in the morning. Yes. You see them late at night. You see them when they're hangry. Like, you get to really know somebody. And at this point, you know, the first time around, you're trying to make a good impression, and now we're so comfortable that you you're just stop doing that. So you so, really get so to know So does Chris somebody. get hangry? Deeply. <laughs> but so do I, so it's good.
1: Oh, because I was just going to say, that makes me feel better about his body. But
4: he like, gets... Because per- no, this- I'd be jealous, no, and then no. now I'm just going to be like, ha-ha, you're hangry. <laughs> he does... <laughs> He d- no, 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 he d- it's because he does intermittent fasting. So he, f- he doesn't eat until noon. Wow. I know. I pretend to do it sometimes with him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm so hungry. And I- <laughs>
1: I've had, like, avocado toast and a smoothie. What I love about... Here's what I love about your interactions on screen, not just with Chris, but the characters that you play. And, and I mean, you know, in-, in Men in Black, it feels like that again, even in the scene that we watched it feels like you take characters that previously could have just been archetypes and you, you've molded them into being, dare I say, complete human beings. Mm. You know, not just the girlfriend, not just the sidekick, not just the nagging woman, but it's like, no, a human being who feels and says and does everything and actually moves the plot forward. Is that something you do intentionally or is, is that just the roles that come to you?
4: I think I, tr- I, think I try to, because... Who wants to be the nagging woman? Right. <laughs> That's no fun. I also, I don't know, for me, it's, I've never, uh, I never thought that I would make movies, and certainly big Hollywood movies, like all of those archetypes, like the, the, the hot girl. Yes. Or, like, I never felt like I could see myself in any of those archetypes, so... I, I wouldn't stand a chance in, in my own perspective of making it in this business to fit squarely in any of those boxes. So, and I've been really lucky. It's not just me. I get to work with collaborators like Ryan Coogler, who wants me to be more than, than just, uh, you know, yeah, than, a, than an archetype.
1: Right, just, just someone who's in the background. And
4: it's so it's so disgusting, but so much in Hollywood, women are just ciphers, you know? We, we move the plot forward, and I'm really heartened that I've stuck around long enough in a time where we audiences are demanding more than that, and Hollywood is, I think, finally listening. It's, it's coming across. <laughs> when you...
1: When you look at Hollywood as a whole and you see a poster like that, I remember a time when internationally, you wouldn't see a poster with the black lead on the post. Like I've seen posters all over the world yeah. where, like I'd, I'd be in South Africa and America, and then they would have like the black actor on it. Yeah. And then you'd travel somewhere else and you'd be like, wait, what happened to that person? But you, you are on the posters. You know, you, I've seen pictures of you in Japan. I've seen pictures of you in China. I've seen pictures. That's a big shift in Hollywood.
4: It's a huge shift. But to be honest, I mean, the first film was made in 1997. I was 14 years old. Will Smith became a bona fide movie star. I would not be here without him. That's just true. And we can take it for granted now. But the fact that he was able to top line a studio movie, a franchise, and bring his black identity to it is hugely groundbreaking. Right. It just is.
1: Do you think that's a big thing that needs to, like, shift is how people perceive the ability of actors who are black to be bankable as well. Because like, everyone seems to get surprised. You know, like Jordan Peele's movie that they go, did surprisingly well. And then, you know, yeah, like something happened. That. that. always happens with like, like that with, with, with so Black much. Panther, they were like, Black Panther, it surpassed all expectations. Whereas it's like Avengers or like the, the you know, yeah. like Captain Marvel, they'd be like, it predictably hit its numbers. Of course. That seems like it's shifting. Well,
4: there has been this myth, this really antiquated, tired myth that Hollywood has held onto, which is that black and brown faces don't sell overseas. That they don't want to see us in China. They don't want to see us in russia i'll tell you what i went to russia i went to china they were very happy to see me and i was happy to see them and, <laughs> and my hope is that we can get to a space where a, a woman and particularly a woman of color top lining a studio movie is not something that we need to celebrate or congratulate right or acknowledge because it's just commonplace. And so I, my hope is that films like this help us get there, which is my soft pitch for why people should go see this film.
1: There's a thousand reasons to see it. You've just added one more to that. Thank you so much for being on the show.
4: Thank you so much I for I love watching
1: me. you on screen. Love having you here. Men in Black International will be in theaters nationwide June 14th. Tessa Thompson, everybody. <laughs>
3: Right Rug Flooring.